0: Okay, so have you ever felt like this? Yes? No? If you have never been in the place where you were so aggravated with plumbing (laughs) that you were willing to twist it, turn it, beat it, heat it up, bend it, do whatever you needed to do to make it fit the way it needed to fit or the way it was supposed to fit, at least in your own mind. Maybe I'm revealing too much about myself right now. (laughs) If you've never been in that place, then you have a higher level of patience and perspective than I do. (laughs) I have certainly been so frustrated with yes, plumbing, but also with cars, and sometimes just life in general, that I just wanted to make things work so I could move on, right? That I was just frustrated and didn't want to spend any more time and energy on, on, on solving a problem, and so I'm just gonna make whatever solution I have here, right here, right now, fit, and I'll deal with the consequences later if it breaks. The problem is that most of the time, that's a short-sighted approach that has cost me more in the long run than it would have if I had just stepped back and tried to gain some perspective on how it was supposed to work. This week, we're going to walk along with the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 12 through 21. You can look for it in a Bible, and, and when we get to it, I'll put it up on the screen. Um, But we're going to walk along with Paul as he tries to give the Philippians and us some perspective on how life is intended to fit together. Because sometimes we stubbornly try to force life to fit together or to work in a way it was never intended to work. And when we do that, it really only leads to frustration. It leads to frustration and heartache when the truth is we are called as followers of Christ to live not that way but with joy and purpose. And sometimes, especially in this season of Lent where we're focusing in on reflecting on our status in life and and where we are and, and, and our adherence, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, sometimes we need to be reminded that life isn't supposed to work in ways that we try to make it work. Because the faster we do that, the sooner we can get on to living with the joy and the purpose that God intends. So if you would, Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 21. I'm going to read it out of the Christian standard Bible. Not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly calling, Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example that you have in us. For I have often told you, and now I say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject subject everything to himself. So as Paul is writing here, he's writing from prison in Rome. He's a citizen of Rome. And as a result, believe it or not, prison is probably the best outcome at the moment because he's rubbed up against the Roman government. He's broken some of their laws. And the truth is, if he wasn't a citizen, uh, he wouldn't be in jail. He would be a slave or he would be dead. Period. End of discussion. But because he's a citizen, he has the right to appeal um, his the decision made about his life, right? And we, we take some of those same kind of concepts for granted here as American citizens, right? We have the, the right to appeal a conviction. We have the right to to go to the highest powers we think we can get to to try to, to right or wrong or make things work. But, but Paul's purpose for being in prison, though it is extremely uncomfortable, <laughs> is, is not about appealing to Caesar or about getting found not guilty and released. Instead, Paul is part, or part and parcel for Paul is a larger mission that he knows God has him on, which highlights I think, the first point that Paul is trying to make to the Philippians and to us in the scripture and is exemplified by his life. Life is not supposed to be comfortable. It's our first point. Life is not supposed to be comfortable no matter how much we would really like it to be. In her book, Restless, Because You Were Made for More, that's the subtitle, Jenny Allen talks about threads. She talks about the threads that we build our lives, the fabric of our lives from, the thread of family or the thread of a job or the thread of our faith. Those things that we kind of weave together. The problem is that what we're trying to do with those threads is often is to build a comforter. We're trying to weave together a comforter that is intended to keep us safe and keep us warm. And that that seems to be our goal. And when, when we're trying to bind those threads together and weave them where we want them to go, We get really, really angry and frustrated when they don't lead to a comforter, when they don't take us to that place where we can feel safe and warm and good about where we are, as though we've reached the pinnacle. Jenny talks about the struggle she had with that with motherhood. She was weaving together the thread of being a mom and and finding a loving husband and, and a job that she loved and a home that she was comfortable in and all those things she was trying to weave together to create this fabric of her life only to find out that even though they were all woven together the way she wanted them, they were not bringing her the comfort she expected to get from them. In fact, she goes so far so far as to say, as some of those threads felt like they were blowing around, even to the point of of strangling her, <laughs> making her feel like she was not living the way she was intended to live, or 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 putting her in distress. But the truth is, God intended to bind those threads together in a very different way. In fact, He's not building a comforter. He didn't want her to build a comforter. He doesn't want us to build a comforter with those threads of our lives. He wants us to build a tracksuit. In verses thirteen and fourteen, Paul highlights this. He says, "But one thing I do, right? That I, I haven't grasped what it means to be to be held on by Christ completely. I haven't grasped perfection, but I'm trying." And he says, "But one thing I do." grasp onto, and I do understand is this, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul has owned the notion that it's not about building himself a comfortable place. It's about we, letting God weave together a tracksuit that will get him ready that will have him properly dressed, properly equipped, and ready to move forward on the mission that he has him on. There's a race to be run, and there are lives at stake, both his and those he is able to touch. And as Paul sits in prison, he recognizes that. He recognizes that his time in prison is is not, not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of those he can touch Through that. He wants to go appeal to Caesar, not so he can get off or be made more comfortable in his life, return to the comfort of life, but so that he can witness to Caesar. He's moving forward with an eternal perspective and hope and purpose, that when he's able to leave behind just this drive to build a comforter and be comfortable and instead embrace what God has set out for him, that he can live into joy, he can live into purpose, and he can live into hope in a way that most of us really struggle to do because we'd rather just build a comforter. But that's not what we're called to do. And we would be best served by Not worrying about building a comforter anymore and just help God build the tracksuit he intends. The second thing Paul wants us to understand is that life, because it's a race, is not intended to be stagnant. It's not supposed to stand still. In verse 16, he says, in any case, right? regardless of where we are in our faith, regardless of where we are in the journey, he says, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained, he might say, in the moment, right? Where where are we right now, knowing that wherever we are right now is probably not where we're going to end up. Have you ever heard the phrase close enough for government work? That phrase actually originated in World War II. And the original intention was was to, if somebody said to you, that is close enough for government government work, that was meant to be a cheer that was meant to be an affirmation that what the work you were producing the quality that you were producing was so high it was incredible it was exactly what was needed exactly what was wanted and exactly what was expected safe to say over time that meaning has changed <laughs> with no no offense intended to government workers when somebody says it's close enough for government work it usually means at least it's none that's good enough, I never have to look at this again. Right, that, that, that's kind of the intent here, is to just get it done and get it out of the way. And sometimes, though, I think we do that with our faith. I think sometimes we say to ourselves, it's close enough for Jesus' work. It's close enough for him. It doesn't meet the standard, but it meets kind of the minimum basics. It'll get the job done. And our relationship with God, it's kind of getting the job done. The problem is that's not the way it's supposed to work. And the truth is, when it is stagnant, it costs us something. It costs us something. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, which, by the way, is a book I would absolutely recommend, it kind of, it facetiously, it's written by C.S. Lewis, and it, it kind of facetiously goes through the relationship between a demon named Screwtape and his servant named Wormwood. And Wormwood's job is to basically pull a human being over to their side and not let them get away to the enemy who is, by the way, God. And so it's it's a series of letters back and forth between the two of them as they discuss tactics and they discuss thought processes of humans and they discuss leveraging their own thoughts against them and their own feelings against them. And oftentimes it's about letting them sit still someplace that they are comfortable in or that they believe they're living a lie that it's it's what it's supposed to be when really it's close enough for Jesus' work. It's not where it needs to be. And one of the quotes I have here talks about him living out his faith and the, the veracity with which he pursues God and pursues that relationship with God. He says this, he says, if you, he's talking, screw Tape talking to Wormwood, says, if you can get him to the point of thinking that religion is all very well up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. Mental note, that's not a good thing. For us as human beings. A moderated religion, he says, is as good for us as no religion at all and more amusing. It's more amusing to them because their goal is to have this person they're targeting live in the lie and think they're doing great. They can laugh at it, all the while knowing they are drawing them away from God just by keeping them in one spot keeping them stagnant. The problem is that when we settle in to stagnant is that we settle for attaining something close to, close enough to Jesus' work, close enough to the truth, and close enough to God is that we don't see the fullness of who he is. And we don't experience the fullness of what he's intended to be bringing to our lives. The truth is, we should invest a ton in following him. In fact, we should invest more in following him than we invest in anything else. Our faith, a full faith, a full-blown faith, I, I really think has three components. The first is to trust Jesus. And I mean really trust Jesus fully with every piece of who we are, with our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our hopes, and our dreams, and trust that whatever direction he's taking us is the direction we are intended to go. The problem is when we're being close enough for Jesus' work is that we kind of trust him. We mostly trust him, except where it begins to hurt and push comes to shove. And we try to force a fix of our own. The second component is on of, of a full faith is is honoring God. We try to honor God with our lives and the way we act, the way we speak, the way we treat others. And we do as followers of Christ. We, we, we count ourselves, I hope, as good people who are doing our best to follow Jesus. But we oftentimes when we're close enough for Jesus work, we are stagnant. We stop short of trying to honor God with every piece of our lives we try to hold on to things that maybe we wish god wouldn't see or we pretend like we talked about last week with john cena that you can't see me (laughs) that he can't we pretend he can't see them when the fact is god is calling us to honor him with every piece of who we are and that requires constantly moving because we are a big old fat work in progress and he is an infinite god we are trying to get to And the final piece of a full faith is to help others. We help others mature in our faith. We reach out to them because as as Paul has told us earlier and is about to tell us again, as we get into the next next section, he is crying tears over those who are lost, over those who do not yet know the Lord. And certainly we want to help people know God, right? But if we're doing close enough for Jesus' work, we try to, do enough of it to keep our conscience clear and not enough of it that it calls us to be somebody else, to be Christ-like rather than Christ-ish. We are, again, our pursuit in pursuit of an infinite, active God who is always moving forward and he is calling us to do the same. The final thing that, that I want to get into is that Life is not supposed to be about me. And that tends to clarify most of the challenge that we have. We try to very much make life about ourselves. But we are called as followers of Christ to reflect on the idea that our life, just as Jesus gave his life as a living sacrifice, our life is intended to be the same not for our own sake, it's not about me, but for the sake of the world, for the sake of those we touch, for the sake of those we have an opportunity and an honor to impact. But that's not where we naturally focus things. As he says in in our text today in verses 18 and 19, Paul says, for I have often told you And now I say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. And they are focused on earthly things. They are focused on themselves. They're focused on getting what they want. They're focused on self-pity. In fact, I want to read you a quote from a book called Family Survival in the American Jungle. It's a title and a half, written by a guy named David Roper. And he, he talks about worldliness, understanding and being in the world or about the world. It's an older word that we don't use all that often anymore. But he says, worldliness is simply pride and selfishness in disguise. It is being resentful when someone snubs or patronizes us or shows off. It means smarting under every slight, challenging every word spoken against us, cringing when another person is preferred before us. Worldliness is harboring grudges, nursing grievances, and wallowing in self-pity. These are some of the ways in which we evidence love for the world. Doesn't that begin to describe our society as a whole? Where we spend tons and tons of energy being preoccupied with things we should be mad about, things we should be frustrated about, things we should complain about, and that we invest tons and tons and tons of emotion and aggravation and energy into trying to fix when the truth is trying to fix those things really is about fixing and making my life what I want it to be rather than recognizing that these are all temporal things. As I said before, we are, we are citizens of the United States. And yes, we have an opportunity that we should jump into to make a difference in the world, to absolutely vote our conscience, to absolutely strive to help society see clearly who our God is and what he intends for us. But when that crosses the line, And unfortunately, we cross it often from trying to do our best to represent God into how can I make this what I want it to be and allowing it to drive our thoughts and our emotions to make us angry about things that maybe God wouldn't be so angry about. It takes our focus off of God and puts it on ourselves. And again, that's the world we kind of live in. But we are not called to live that way. In fact, Paul will remind us in just a second that this is not our home. He says in verse 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven, right? Ultimately, this is where we are headed and this is who we are responsible for. We eagerly wait for a savior from there. We we don't really believe this is about me fixing everything or forcing it or making it work. We believe that our savior comes from above, right? He goes on. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself It is then that our restlessness that we have in life gives way to to the peace that comes from being at his side. It's then that our, our pains of growing and moving forward, because it can be hard at times, gives way to strength. And it's then that the siege against us in our lives, the way we are constantly and, and led to believe and believe from within that this is all about me. That's when it gives way to the reality that this is all the reign of the King and that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will bring everything unto himself. That is who we are to hope for. That is the pursuit we are to have. And showing that perspective is the light we are to shine in the world around us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.